Welcome to The Unexceptionals, a podcast obsessed with everyday people. Like me, Anita Mube. And me, Kira Jack. Giving unheard voices a chance to speak on the mic. Whose story would you like to hear? Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six. You're halfway through. Yes, halfway through series one of The Unexceptionals. So it's all good. It's all good. You did well. Made it halfway. We're going to reach the end soon. Uh, Closer to death, but you're also closer to us. (laughs) And they are the same thing. So... God, we're so positive. We're such a ray of sunshine. Absolutely. Please stay with us. Um, <laughs> Please don't leave. Please sponsor us. Um, this is the halfway point and our guest is Rob. Yes, Rob yeah. is an improviser. He does improv. Uh, very successful improv troupe in Norwich. Uh, they're doing very well. Um, so if you like things like Whose Line Is It Anyway, that's improv. But well, that's th- not just it though, is it? Because he's no. the second person from insurance that we have he's on the, second the pers- podcast. Yes, so like anyone else, even though he uh, has a passion, which is clearly improv, he mm. has to pay them bills. But <laughs> Rob has a different angle to a lot of our group. Instead of being like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe I'll chase that dream. Rob has... <laughs> Like the way you said, maybe I'll chase that dream. Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Rob's like, that dream has died. No, no, Rob just has a very clear way of thinking. Yeah. What was really interesting as well was that he was kind of, it's more so, yeah, he needs to pay the bills, but it was like preserving that joy that you get from doing something that you enjoy that might be creative or whatever. Yeah. And instead of making it a full-time job, he was saying, well, I kind of want to have a job that's really menial. Yeah, right so I can keep that passion yeah. in reserve. Uh, when it comes to personal life, uh, Rob uh, hit a big crossroads. We'll leave you to find mm. out what that is. But in terms of sexuality, he kind of, he joined the dots backwards yeah. in a way. He kind of looks back and goes, ah, that must have been why. Mm. So that was quite interesting to talk about that. Keep listening, by the way, if you're a Warhammer <laughs> fan. Because we, we asked Rob, what the fuck is Warhammer? Yeah, because like, I don't know what it is. You no, don't know what it is. No, we didn't. So... <laughs> Anita and my experience of this was looking through the windows of Warhammer shops, which with all due respect, Warhammer people, you are people in Metallica shirts holding <laughs> bags of Doritos. And we we were none the wiser as to what the fuck you're doing. So, I'm sure we had a very uh, jaded view of what actually yeah. goes on. So, you know, Rob very kindly broke it down for us. So we also get to learn about what Warhammer is and Woo! what it entails. So, yes, I hope you guys stay tuned and you enjoy the episode. Make sure to show your support as well. And shall we bring on to the mic, Rob? Robert. Robert! (laughs) Um, So, yeah, cool. So this is Rob. This is um, our guest for this podcast. Please introduce yourself, Rob. Hello, listener, listeners. Listener, it's a listener. (laughs) Probably listener. I am. It'll be me. Hi, Terry. It'll be me out of my own vanity. I, (laughs) I am Rob. Hey. Um, thanks so much for coming along yes, to episode number six of Under the Unexceptionals. Mm, thank you for having yeah. me. Woo, woo, woo. Halfway We're, through the series, yeah. by the yeah, way. Yeah, about what, halfway. What was yeah. it called? The, the Unexceptionals. Unexceptionals. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Rob's like, no. What? Yeah, Rob did not pay attention in the briefing meeting. I, he was like, hang on, is this an insult? <laughs> we had the briefing meeting in Wagamama's and I was busy with my katsu curry. And, <laughs> and, say, and we called it the Very Exceptionals. Yes, the Very yeah. Exceptionals podcast. I've been missold this. <laughs> Is there like a PPI claim I can make? (laughs) 
so Rob works in insurance. However, this will be the second guy to work broking. in insurance. Remember insurance we've broking. established yeah. that's different. The city where we are based in has so much insurance. There's a lot of insurance. So it's pretty likely. Everyone's making claims. Yeah. That everyone, <laughs> anyone you bump into will work in insurance. So Rob also is the second guest to work in insurance. Yeah. However, um, as is always the case with the podcast, that is uh, not what's most interesting about it. Yeah. Him. It's one aspect. Thank though. goodness. So, <laughs> tell us a little bit about in- insurance broking. So, how did you get into that? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? So, insurance broking is is the is the intermediary between someone who needs insurance and someone who provides insurance. So, if you were say a multinational corporation like Nintendo or something, right, and you needed to Benefit. insure <laughs> all of the things like all of the stuff, the buildings you're in. The people who work for you, everything uh-huh. that everything you can't afford to lose, you insure. And a broker will go to insurance companies on their behalf and set up the coverage that they then use to oh, cover, right, their, okay, yeah. cover their assets, as it were. And I work in the, the data side of that. So all of the insurance broking teams will sort out the, the insurance stuff. And that generates a lot of data that then goes into the, the systems that they use. I pull the data out of those systems and then give it to like the top management so that they can then see how well the company's performing, basically. So it's kind of like a backroom oh, right. role okay. at the company in the bowels of the machine rather than uh, like in the flash suit in London. Yeah, I'm the... strutting around in Canary Wharf. Oh, yeah, none of that. The, it's your all... heels, your stilettos. Yeah, I'm more <laughs> like a kind of a, an electronic golem in the back. Like, oh, <laughs> the data, my precious. <laughs> um... Your job before, I think I remember when we spoke to you, you worked in a big retailer... And you dealt with customer Fuck complaints. It. We said or Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo. Don't say John Lewis. Okay, John <laughs> Lewis. Okay, don't sue us. I, yeah, no, I worked sponsor John... us, John no, Lewis. I worked, I worked with John Lewis Lovely before. Christmas. Yeah, and uh, in the in the customer service uh, team. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, you get some very interesting, very middle class complaints <laughs> in, working oh, in a yeah. shop like that. You told us about and, like was um, it like a car in the car park or something. Oh, so the car park at, at the John Lewis here is is very narrow. Like the spaces are quite narrow, the ramps are quite narrow, mm-hmm. and the customers drive Range Rovers and Jags and they, they <laughs> scrape on it all the time and then they write to the store like it's not their fault that they've scraped into things my enormous yeah. yacht of a car was dented yeah exactly and your just... things are not wide enough for it yeah but no I, I really enjoyed it there and um but somehow my cv ended up with a major insurance broker who were then like oh you look like an intelligent chap come and work for us yeah and, uh, yeah so no fair because interesting you mentioned about the intelligent chap because you did a degree in genetics right i did yes Tell us a bit about that. Um, oh, I wish I could remember it. Was <laughs> <laughs> eons ago. So I, well, it kind of was. I mean, it was. I, I graduated seven years ago. God, wow. So it kind of is a, a, a different time now. Mm. Um, so I didn't realise that was but, seven years ago, though, when you graduated. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're so youthful to oh, the thank face. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, it, I, I remember enjoying it. To a point, like, that's positive, right? I remember not so much the degree wasn't engaging but the kind of the experience of going from like school and home and where you're very like where everything's very kind of regulated on your behalf by Mm -hmm. actual adults to then like you being in charge of yourself and I remember not being able to handle that very well yeah um to the point where like my second year just completely off the rails like I got about 45 percent wow and most of that is like non-attendance and just not like applying myself Mm. 
Um, I feel like second year is the big kind of. It's off the make the rails or break, year. I think, for people. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if if you are capable of looking after yourself, not just in like a keeping yourself fed and keeping yourself healthy, but in like a like a time management and like a mm. knowing, like keeping control of where you are at any one time and not giving into vices and not giving like not letting yourself uh, procrastinate. I think, mm. and I was yeah. dreadful at that. Yeah. I, I I still sometimes think I'm quite bad at that, but like <laughs> when you're when you're nineteen yeah. and you're suddenly given like ultimate control of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it's just like goes one yeah, of two I, ways really, doesn't it? I can't it? handle this. Yeah. yeah. Do you think like if you'd maybe gone a bit later you could have been able to manage it a bit more? Or maybe it was just I think just it's bit... I think it's 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 a it's something you can't really predict how you're gonna behave in an in an unregulated or a much less regulated environment before you've done it yeah you have a lot of firsts at uni like your first big relationship yeah. i mm-hmm. first time away from home first time away from home you yeah. tend to have your first big crisis i know second year for some reason big crises seem to happen second year in my second year i can't name who it was but a relative of mine had uh, cancer mm-hmm. um i was going out with a guy who's 14 years older than me <laughs> and i chopped all my wise decisions off, like <laughs> and dyed it bleak that, blonde that's but, the freedom yeah. isn't it that's the yeah. i've i've suddenly got actual control of myself what do i want to do yeah yeah um, and i think yeah like i sort of think it maybe goes one of two ways either it's like maybe it's a bit overwhelming sometimes because yeah. some people and it's like i don't know what to do with this and some people are fine with it i yeah, think yeah. yeah in in my case i think it was that like the boundaries that other people had set for me were, were actually just like how you function as a human being yeah. you know when you go like 10 pin bowling you've got like the barriers that <laughs> That keep well, the ball from like falling well, the just ones that I straight use into every the single time I go to bowling. <laughs> yeah, but they they keep the ball from like yeah. just falling straight into the gutter and just rolling down the end and scoring nothing. Yeah. And I think that was there was an element of like yeah. that, that as as life. You were constantly going in the gutter. And well, yeah, like my second year academically was dreadful. Mm. Same. Um, I got a zero percent in my second year. I, really? I went so off the right rails. I didn't pay attention to when when my deadlines were. Yeah. And I again, this was mid cut all my hair off phase. Mm. So I went into office, and she wasn't particularly understanding. Instead of going right, what happened? Why did you miss this? She just went, "What? Well, I don't understand how this has happened." You you know. Yeah, um, I think that's another thing. Is the universities? I don't know if they do so much now because of like the this was in the old tuition fee system, so I wasn't like it wasn't like I was bankrolling the the university. Yeah, we were all. But it was very. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was very kind of um, laissez faire. They were very kind of. You are an adult. Yeah, You're in charge of you. Like we're just here to teach you this these you You're know, paying these classes. Us. <laughs> You're paying us to teach these, but we're not responsible for yeah, you. Yeah, and I think. I think at some level that's universities. And I know that like teenagers are very frustrating people to try and manage. And I can mm, see why they yeah. can't be bothered with it because they want to do their research and they want to like, they want just want that even the teaching for some of them looked yeah. like it was a burden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Cause you kind of but... like, you're given a group of people who can have sex whenever they want or try to <laughs> at, <laughs> oh, le- at the right. very least <laughs> drink without their parents yep. seeing them. Mm. Well, they're just adults, Doing aren't all they? the they're stuff they cannot all... do near their parents, they are allowed basically, to do it. Yeah. Basically, yes. And they're told, oh, it's not a big consequence if you miss a lecture. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they're... It's, yeah, they're like, like, the consequences they'll express to you never feel big, but yeah. they all add up to yeah. a very large consequence yeah. that, that, you know, I, I was... Um, friends with people who obviously did, didn't graduate because mm. like they, they went so into yeah. either they went really deep into societies or they went like mm. they'll make something else mm-hmm. out, out of themselves yeah. but 
in terms of like their their academic performance, they're just so far off the rails that it just mm. just stops. I don't know if mm. I had a slightly different experience because I was in university for longer than three years because okay. just how long it mm. all ended up yeah. being. I don't know, maybe like because because you, you have your first year, which doesn't really count, does it? Yeah, that's so the weird thing like, as well. Like the one year that you're still kind of your brain is still like functioning and you're it's still to like impress. within those yeah. like the barriers are still kind of there in a phantom sense like mm-hmm. if you if like i was in halls in my first year oh like, yeah right yeah. catered halls and it's like right i still have meal times and i still have like times when it's really quite rude to come back to the building and like yeah. Yeah. there's yeah, yeah. still like a politeness and like you're still surrounded by people who you kind of know and it's like it's quite rude to be loud and obnoxious around them that is still like a level of routine that was keeping me on that like mm-hmm. straight and narrow yeah and then, yeah, second year, you move into, like, a house in the suburbs or in the in the city somewhere, and it's just like, right off them rails! <laughs> yeah! Here we go! <laughs> what are barriers? Exactly, yeah. But I wonder if, like, the, the logic behind making the first year not count is because they want you to have this kind of bedding-in period. Like, you've yeah, just moved from home, you're really young, you want to maybe get all the drinking and all this kind of stuff out of your system, so yeah. when it gets to second year, you're like, okay, I can maybe focus. Also the year that I think people drop out as well. This first That's year. probably true. We're yeah. going to know pretty quickly whether you're yeah. not. Whether you, yeah, 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 definitely. And then third year is just like the oh, I wasted that second year. I've got to really. <laughs> I've actually got yeah. to try now. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, and that was the other thing. Like, because I'm quite smart, basically, mm. and like up to up to A <laughs> levels and first year, you kind of breeze through that and then it's suddenly it's like oh no you have to apply yourself now and put effort in because otherwise you are going to fail this and then yeah. it's like oh yeah you can't I'm go not, I've never hit this wall before yeah yeah like, you can't succeed from just like just from being smart yeah just from yeah. being smart yeah so the first year was essentially ironing out all the gaps in the different A-level yeah. syllabuses so it yeah, was like yeah. some of the stuff you already knew some of the stuff was new but obviously quite easy to learn and it was and it was just like it wasn't pushing you much above the level you'd already been taught at. Mm-hmm. And I think that perhaps also lulled me into a bit of a like, oh, well, this is I'll be fine. easy. I'll be fine. Yeah. And that's the, that's the dangerous way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To some extent, it was sort of the same with English literature. Because in the first one, you are getting a very broad sense of the different types of literature. So you yeah. kind of get a sample of... A, you know a novel or a poem from different periods of time mm. different genres then in the next two years you start specializing yeah. yeah um which is good in one way but it also limits you in others because there are modules that i didn't do or didn't get on that i'd still like there was a nonsense module which right. uh, was so oversubscribed i didn't get onto it and i'd love to have done that nonsense as a nonsense so like edward lear um alison wonderland arguably oh right okay things that use whimsy and mm-hmm. nonsensical words mm-hmm. and oh. rhythms to kind of create so, almost so, fantasy like willy wonka and... like with that kind of like you know you could argue yeah but it was similar in the sense of second and third year, particularly at our university, you had to knuckle down yeah. and you needed to start your structure and form and essays had to be spot on. Otherwise you were going to fall yeah. behind pretty quickly. Was it yeah. quite hard? Like before I met you, I knew a few literature like students and I was always like, God, you've got so much reading to do yeah, yeah. in like short periods of time. Yeah. If you're again, if you're having a crisis, you don't tend to. It was hard for me because I wanted to be a writer. So I was doing a lot of, extracurricular stuff 
that was taking up the time that I should have been spending Honestly. studying. Yeah. Mm. So I was now looking back, I was doing a fuck turn. Yeah. I, was, I, I that's why I struggled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, on top of having a crisis as well. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. And so I just mm-hmm. I was so keen to have the experience. And looking back, it meant that I was employable. Yeah, as yeah, soon as I left. yeah. But like that's not wasted time necessarily. That's yeah. time used for a different thing. Which is what you kind of said, where people get so involved in other stuff that it kind yeah. of. Um, directs their energy, splits their energy up rather than just having it in the degree. Yeah. Which I never, I never was one of those people. I always had, I always did loads of societies. I didn't think it was healthy mm-hmm. to just always be like, yeah, I'm just gonna focus on my degree and yeah, only my yeah. degree. Like, yeah, no, I, I, um, I was part of you know a few different things, most notably improv. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's yeah. another thing worth mentioning is you do improv comedy. Yeah, Quite successful yeah. improv troupe oh, in Norwich. Because there are a few improv like troops, aren't there? And one that you're involved in. What's it called again? So I'm in a troupe called the Intellectual Hooligans, mm-hmm. and they do a, like a short, a short form improv, which is like the the stuff they used to do on the TV show mm-hmm. Whose Line Is It Anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's I love games. That show. That was like my yeah. favorite. Show. Yeah, and they'll get like suggestions from the audience, and they'll they'll do out like little short games, and they're like all the games have slightly different rules, mm-hmm. but they're all base around the kind of the idea that you're taking a suggestion and like making an entertaining piece of uh, sort of theatre from yeah. that. We can find you on Twitter, Instagram, and I think I've seen your, your Instagram account. I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think and I've seen Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah and there's one. a Facebook group um, and they'd like we post all the events on there and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, currently, the crowning achievement as of, was it January? We had a gig in the Matter Market Theatre, like the main stage, mm. and we sold well over 200 tickets for that. Wow. And it was yeah. it was so kind of amazing to see the thing that we'd kind of built up together mm. over about by that point we'd be doing it about five years yeah and we'd gone from like pub rooms where the number of performers outnumbered the number yeah. of audience <laughs> members and for an audience-based medium not ideal yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah that and that, that to go from that to 200 plus that people crazy. in a really lovely theater like it's mm. one of those kind of elizabethan thrust stage type mm-hmm. things and yeah. it was it was such a really nice place to improvise mm-hmm and we had a really good time, had a really good gig, and we're going back again soon. So you said you've been doing this for five years. So have you been kind of... The Hooligans has been going for five years. Ah. I've been improvising for about ten years. Have you been part of the Intellectual, intellectual Hooligans since its conception? From yeah. the beginning? Yeah. Oh, wow, it's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I was known to people in Norwich as an improvisational comic. Yeah. Um, and so when uh, Dan, who's the guy who really, like, he's the, the massive effort behind it all, he was like... I you know I need improvisers. Oh, that guy's known to be a good improviser. Like, mm. ah, and, and then so yeah. Thus it was born. And thus it was born. Yeah. Okay, so Lita yeah. is now wielding her phone, and she has an improv scene generator. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in the because you mentioned the intellectual <laughs> intellectual hooligans. Is, I did. Like whose line is it anyway? Style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I thought we could maybe do like a very quick round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in which we only speak in questions. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, okay. The scene is, a long-lost family member turns up in the middle of the night. Do we can work from this? Do you want to start as the expert and we'll probably ruin this? So. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that at door? Don't you already know who I am? Where'd you get that wig from? Why are you in that dress? Don't you like it? Why... <laughs> Do you always insist on wearing turquoise? <laughs> I thought you liked turquoise. Isn't it my favourite colour? Isn't it your favourite colour? <laughs> it's someone's. Anita, aren't you standing next to me at this door? <laughs> I thought you didn't want me to speak. 
<laughs> so so it's, it's interesting because that that game, what we do with that game when yeah. we play it is we'll line people up and it'll be like a, when you don't say a question, you're out and it'll swap round. Ah. So we play that in a very in a very kind of um, com, uh, competitive. He says, right, doing yeah, yeah. finger quotes for a, a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In, in a, a competitive-esque way, uh-huh. but it can be really fun to watch people like lose that game. Like one of the <laughs> one of the skills of, of improv is is losing a game well. Yeah. So if it's like if someone's like hit you with an absolute blinder of a question, yeah, and and he's just like, I don't know, and yeah. you just walk off, and that can be as funny as like yeah. as like it, it's not necessarily um, as entertaining when you've got two people that are just like out questioning each other yeah. but they're doing the same thing like well what do you think well what do you think yeah, what do yeah. they think mm-hmm. and it's like the, the aim of the game is to provide an entertaining question mm-hmm. or an entertaining failure yeah um, oh, fair but enough. yeah there's another game um that's kind of quite similar to that which we play where you can't use one letter from the alphabet oh. and if if they take out a letter like um h mm. which sometimes isn't like you don't always yeah. No. So wait, you wouldn't be able to You say don't fresh. remember that it's well, exactly. Yeah. Oh. And so it's it's in words that you like the? because it's a silent it. in a lot of well exactly yeah because it's it's never kind of the core consonant in a word mm. you'll say things like oh right and it's like ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact both of those words had the h in them yeah oh right yeah exactly, you're double yeah. lost <laughs> yeah um, and again that like watching people like no oh. no that's fun as well. Obviously, it, I think it would be fair to say that insurance broking is not really your passion. So if you could, in dream circumstance, leave that for something, what would it be? Would it be improv? And I don't mean for this to get mm. to go suddenly from jolly improv to existential crises. No, but please do but take us there. <laughs> take us to that dark place. It's a very weird thing to be in your late 20s and not really know what you want from life. I don't think to that's weird. Been, I think a lot of I people think, can relate. I think a lot of people feel that I way. I guess that, but it's it, it it it's like the way I've come to reason with it is like if I was a little bit stupider, I would have fallen into something that I enjoyed, and then like I would have cast aside the other things I do because mm. I do lots of different things, and I enjoy all of them. But it does leave me in a place where it's like I'm not willing to sacrifice any one of them to mm. to allow another one to grow if that makes sense right okay. and so i'm caught in the middle of like a, a big tangle of lots of different hobbies that i i enjoy all of them a lot i'm in a very comfortable place as well mm. like i've got a mortgage i've got a cat it's it feels illogical to voluntarily make myself yeah unhappy and so i just try and fit everything in around the edges like mm. my evenings are rammed yeah, because we were to, again, it's a, if, funnily enough, another guy in insurance uh, talking about multi-potentialites. Oh, right, yeah. People right. who, they're actually interested in a number of things and mm. they can't really settle on yeah. one, so why not try and do all of them? Well, I'll tell you why can? not, because it drives you up the wall. <laughs> That's why yeah. not. What's I'm that struggling phrase? with that too. When it's like, a co- no, yeah, in in the video that like I watched, there was a TEDx talk about it and it was mm. like, not everyone has a calling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not everyone has that one thing that, you know, they're calling in life. Yeah. Particularly in school, you'll get a, with very well in well-meaning careers advisors saying you should go to this. This is your thing, mm. and but sometimes it can equally be people who are insecure that say, "Oh, well, you're not good at that, so just stick to that." Mm. I think those people can be quite damaging if you are actually like, "Well, I am interested in that." Well, this is an interesting an interesting byproduct of that is the reason I did a genetics degree at all is because aged, you know, when you start picking like 16, 17, 16, like you really? lump that question on, on a, someone yeah, in their mid teens, like, what do you want to, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? Basically. And yeah. I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm good at 
science and a lot of the other people who are good at science are doing medicine. And so I was like, okay, so that seems like a logical thing to do. But I don't think my heart was ever in it. And I probably would have made a terrible doctor. And I think the university's administrating team were, because I did apply for medicine. Oh, oh right. I didn't know that. And um, I think the university ap- ap- like application teams were like, yeah. <laughs> I, I did get an interview. I went, I went for an interview oh. at Leicester. Terrible campus. Horrible concrete. Rubbish. I've been worse to Leicester. Than, worse yeah. than UEA. It's like. got a big old glass library yeah. thing, isn't it? That's like the one mm. thing that kind of looks yeah. right. <laughs> no offence, Leicester. Um, Love you, Leicester. Sure, but yeah. I went to Nottingham for like an open day. Nottingham just to is kind much of, nicer than And the Nottingham Leicester. campus is gorgeous. And yeah. that, so I, my, from my interview in Leicester, they came back saying, we're going to, if you want, we can put you on like a biomedical sciences for one year and then maybe move you into medicine after that. Nottingham came back saying, basically, we've got these courses we need to fill up. Would you like one? <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, OK. Can I ask a question? <laughs> you, can, you, you may. <laughs> oh, um, so it's quite interesting that you've mentioned that obviously you're, you're, you're in this place where you're really happy, like your job's good, you're in a position financially where things are mm-hmm. good, you've got a cat, which is always good. Uh, <laughs> and he's so lovely. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and obviously you have all these interests around you that you really enjoy. Mm. Do you sometimes, I've always, I mean, I've always had this kind of debate, especially because I'm, I'm changing slash changed career, um, where, oh, if I do something that I really enjoy, will I then not enjoy it as much because I'm doing it every day? Do you think that's something that mm. you've I think ever considered? I think there probably is an element of that because when you make a hobby an obligation, mm. it it suddenly loses something, doesn't it? Like I think it's just that when it becomes hard work, and it's like, mm. oh, I used to do this because I enjoy it, and now I do it because I have to eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, the comfort of the position I'm in, it's like a beanbag, but yeah. for my soul. Like it's <laughs> oh, it's not the beautiful. It's not the best chair. It's probably not doing my back any good, but yeah. it is comfortable. Um and it's really difficult to get up. <laughs> and I think that is is kind of where I am as it stands. Mm-hmm. Is like I'm in a really comfortable place. It's difficult to to drum up like the, the necessary like energy to mm-hmm get over the over the hill to do anything that might be more existentially fulfilling or something mm. like it, it's it's really difficult to quantify what you want when you don't really know yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a good point translating creativity into good produce i guess is a very complicated and Hearty difficult produce <laughs> is it? yeah i mean I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to I, translating I creativity into quality product, is very yeah. difficult yeah. To do um, all the time, if you, like... Uh, yeah, to do all the time, yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's why I quite like having a job that isn't, like, killing me. Mm. <laughs> because I've then got those, like, time... I've got those hours where it's just, like, I'm I'm working to live, mm-hmm. if that it's makes like sense. It's to be said for a dull job sometimes. Mm. If you are a creative person, um, I found that, like, uh, my writing, illustration... Mm-hmm. Like, it had more mental energy to do it when I was doing stuff that was less mentally stimulating during the day yeah which is also sorry to direct this to you now kira because obviously you are now freelance and doing creative stuff all the time yeah. like do you f- how that, is that yeah has yeah. that taken the sheen off the joy of being a creative yeah of being person. like a writer and 
No, but only because I'm still not doing what I want to do yet. So oh, okay. at the moment, I'm okay. writing to pay to, my to bills. Eat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and it's also for a marketing company that is really just asking you to produce sort of inane blogs that go on people's websites. Yeah, yeah. So it's not you know a life changing blog. Also, they don't pay me enough. So the amount they pay me, <laughs> they're gonna get an inane blog. Mm. Like, yeah, it's. It, it still has to be good. There's a competitive part of me that wants it to be written well, structured mm. well, and be better than the other stuff I see them producing. However, it's not something I've... It's nothing I would pitch to someone. Right. Yeah. So, but it does, however... It's not your best. Yeah, but it keeps my skill up to... Because it's like anything. If you stop mm. drawing for a long time, you become mm-hmm. a bit... You find it really hard returning yeah. to sketching again. It's, writing yeah, is the yeah. same. It kind of... And it gives you the confidence to just kind of almost hit the ground running with mm-hmm. an idea you have that you do really care about and you want to work on. Fair enough. We're going to yeah. go back in your history a bit more. We'll go back and then we'll go forward. In the words of our case. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because she believes she can fly. See, I, I well, you've heard about the, all the R. Kelly. Oh, yeah, I would say you're R. Kelly. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's... Oh, I, I was, knew about all that. I was going down like a back to I was going to say, that was, yeah, I, I was, it's been I knew about that ages ago. Well really? documented, yeah. Yes, yeah, so when the album came out with Aaliyah, her first album. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting really passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much backlash because right. they were like, R. Kelly produced it and she got married to him. Yeah. Oh, I, in order I, to reproduce it. See, I, I've, I've not really sexual. ever followed Mr. Kelly's work. I mean... Um, <laughs> like I like Remix Ignition and I've seen tra- obviously I've seen Trapped in the Closet I'm not I don't live in a cave but um... Lady Gaga Do What You Want featuring R. Kelly incredible song which song I... do what you want what you want for my body oh yeah I forgot what R. Kelly was in that yeah but you can I'm... check my heart and that you is a tune. she is going for it do what you want for my body do what you want <laughs> no I, stopping this force I think Kira's living out some sort of Fantasy, fantasy there, right that, there. That, that, where she is Lady Gaga yeah I, in my head every day I'm Lady Gaga <laughs> yeah well I'm wearing a big old clam suit and yeah. I am <laughs> doing my disco moves I did wonder what the smell was <laughs> oh okay it's just thrush <laughs> oh. <laughs> wait thrush doesn't smell does it it does depends got... how bad the infection is <laughs> yeah it does when you got it that bad <laughs> depends what yeast you're growing you're cultivating anyway yeah. a loaf of bread Marm- it's <laughs> basically can, marmite you can bake some loaves <laughs> in there yeast pop extra. them out you, there are B, B vitamins <laughs> yeah. you are the yeast extract is it's uh, vagamite if you have a deficiency <laughs> just eat eat my <laughs> anyway take it back take it back take it back okay we're taking it back to the park. <laughs> clam chowder. Yeah, okay. oh. Easty clam. Easty oh. clam chowder. Easty loafy clam. Throwbacks. Vegemite or Vagemite? Vagemite. Oh, oh, that's good. There's your branding. Vagemite. <laughs> oh, blimey, mate. Just could put some Vagemite in my toast. Fucking love Vegemite. It's yeasty. Oh, um, help me. Oh, roll yeah. it back. Roll it back. Roll it back. Let's talk about the youthful years, really briefly, because you went to an all-boys school. Yes, for uh, eight years. Between, so what's that? Junior? So it was between 11 and 18, so... Oh, so second... High school, yeah. High school. How was that, being in an all-boys school? Probably damaging. <laughs> I... Okay, so my theory is, people with single-sex schools... Mm. I've been in one single-sex school in my life. Right. Oh. 
The rest was uh, high school. The rest was mixed state comprehensive. Yeah. Better years at the state comprehensives. There's something about a concentrated amount of estrogen or testosterone is just not good. I think um, because men never talk about their feelings, it's really difficult to it's really difficult to categorise what a normal experience at this sort of at this sort of establishment is, but. So, oh god, yeah, because you can't compare what's going, what the fiery dumps to hell in your brain compared to somebody else. Well, exactly. No one knows. Um, I wonder what they're like now. It's like it was... an enclosed snow globe. Which one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> crack. <laughs> which one? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. It was. Um, I went to a private school that like screens entry by exam. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like clever people as well. Can I ask something real quick? Because yeah, I yeah. know there's a difference between... There's one which is just, like, screened by money. <laughs> and there's one private that's Private grammar. Is, I mean, the grammar by... is the not private one. Yeah, grammar schools are still state, still st- state, still state schools. Uh, but there's um, screened by the plus. Yeah. Private, yeah, private schools are just... You pay to be there. And it just so happens that this private school also runs an entry exam that's, you know, got quite high requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went there because... I was kind of very bored and very like not disruptive, but not engaged with like the education I was getting. And my parents were really worried that I was going to go off the rails. I think. Mm. Um, and they so they were a solid gold maniac waiting to happen. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's happened. But um, I think it was a good decision on their part because the education I received was absolutely great. Yeah. The experience of being in a like the it's a, it's a different form of harm that really clever really competitive people can deal to each other right yeah. okay is it a bit more um, psychological do you think rather than I, like i'm gonna it's, wedge you it's that you can't ever say anything dumb it's you're constantly on your guard and that's mm. not really good for your no. brain yeah like, like all the time when you're at school yeah yeah like and you you kind of you come out of that in a, in a very fragile place i think yeah um, to the point where I'm really untrusting of people. Like even mm. now, it's ten years since I left, I've not really kept in like consistent contact with any of them. Yeah. Um, because my defense mechanism against the like the crazy testosterone like intimidation, <laughs> for, it, 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 like I wasn't particularly sporty, and I was I was clever, but not like genius. And you end up in, and my self-esteem has never been really good. You definitely put barriers up and like you don't trust people and you kind of, you you get trained to be very defensive. There are people that thrive on that and those people are the kinds of psychopaths that you see in governments. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, okay. it, will, it will either make you Great. a very successful <laughs> psychopath or it will kind of leave you fundamentally like broken at yeah. some level, yeah. Did you board? Sorry. No, so it's not oh. a boarding school. Oh, um, sorry, then. At least you didn't have to be like on it all the well, time. Well, exactly, yeah. I can't imagine um, anything worse than a boarding school. The, <laughs> well, the idea of that makes yeah. me sweaty. No. You were okay. It was quite nice to go to university and know nobody when I arrived. Mm, yeah. Because that was like, oh, it's a fresh start. Yeah. All of the like the weight that I've been dragging around from this like incessant like social structure I can now drop away Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't assume the worst of people but my mind will go to dark places about people I don't know faster Mm. than it should if that makes sense like 
I'm, I'm quite cagey around new people that as in my formative years, I learned as a kind of, as a kind of armor, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it leaves you in a very, in a very fragile place surrounded by some very snarky armor. <laughs> snarky, yeah, that's a um, word I think for brainy teenagers is snarky. Yeah. Yeah, as you said in schools that are selective, you do have super geniuses there and you do have people very smart. They're mm. also teenagers, they're kids, so they're... Yeah. And you're at the most insecure part of your life, so... A smart, testosterone-fueled teenager is capable of incredible cruelty. Yeah, because they're, they're like, well, I can use my um, brains to manipulate this person yeah. to make up for wherever it is I feel I'm lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you kind of really do a lot of testing of social structure a lot when you're in secondary school. Yeah. You're kind of trying to figure out... It's not necessarily lasting in the real world. No, you do no, see no, people no. who oh, yeah. peaked at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stayed like that. They just didn't. Because mm. I think it's that thing... You know that and I feel of... sorry for them because it's kind of... It's, it's really difficult to feel sorry for them because they're still not particularly nice some of them will use their intelligence to hurt others and some of them use their intelligence to protect themselves and mm. some of them use their intelligence very rarely to like protect others and it'll be like the 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 interaction of that is very like toxic feels like too harsh of a word yeah. but it is what i mean hostile I, not even necessarily hostile because something can be something can be bad for you and not like actively harming you yeah one thing i would say is you those people like that do get their comeuppance yeah through ways which i cannot say i know that on the night of the brexit vote david cameron and george osborne were drinking expensive wine um allegedly and uh when the votes came in they because they were confident they're they're public school boys so they're like oh We've outsmarted everyone. But this We're not the, leaving the... But and that the, confidence is an armour in and of itself. Yeah. Like, that is a manifestation of the, like, the trauma... Mm, traumatic is, again, is, is... It feels like too harsh of a word, but I it also feels appropriate. I'm, I'm sticking with hostile. Because, like, I mean, doesn't, hostile doesn't mean necessarily... You're, I mean, if you're in a hostile environment, you're always kind of on guard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But what I was going to say was when it came midnight and the vote came in, mm. they apparently fucking shat themselves and just vanished yeah. out of Downing Street. Allegedly, I say, the, the story that I say is allegedly... Um, and I think this is a big thing is that just doing stuff because you have the confidence to do it and, and you think you're smart enough to carry it off and then being shot in the foot for it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that never been punched in the face yeah. confidence. And then when it yeah. happens, you're like, ooh. Yeah, and then you, like, you, you cannot with cope it. with it. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever interact with a lot of state school kids? No, no, because like, I've just was sort of conditioned not to trust anybody. And so yeah. like new people especially you're like well i have no gauge for how much i can or can't trust you yet and that's like maximum distrust sorry i, I feel like got dark and uh, introspective and uh, no, no. bleak on a to keep it on a similar note but on an equal <laughs> like go even talking about no because i think what's interesting is you've said how you are juggling professional life with interest because you feel you have a security in all of them. To mm. turn that on its head, you your life recently wasn't necessarily turned on its head entirely, but you had some transformative moments in terms of sexuality and your personal life. Yeah. It's okay to talk about them. Yeah. So um, you recently uh, exited a relationship you'd had for 10 years. Yes. Which is something a lot of people... People leave marriages after 20. And uh, like it's something I think I don't think is talked about enough. And if it Mm. is, it's usually talked in magazines, like Heat magazine. Yeah. Yeah. My bitch of a wife. (laughs) 
yeah. slept with my neighbour's dog. And that, ooh, yeah, it's that never is, talked about in ways. It's also a bitch. That's grounds for divorce. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> that is grounds for divorce. Um, um, but it's never talked about in a more candid way of, actually, I still have a lot of respect for this person. I still really like this mm. person. But I am now in a completely different realm that I'm not used mm. to. Mm-hmm. And also sexuality. Coming to terms with uh, an aspect of your sexuality, arguably 10 years new generations are coming to terms with sexuality more sooner I'd say just because it's more yeah, relevant I think media well, this yeah, yeah I think that's that's that is definitely part of it like I mm. I I don't think there was a great deal of like exposure to homosexual material in the mm. like the mid noughties like it was before streaming was a massive mm-hmm. thing yeah. online and it was kind of it, it wasn't until probably after uni that I really sort of started exploring whether I liked things that weren't women if that makes sense hmm. was there a moment was um, there something you saw that made you think actually I think it was like a, a slow realization that it it wasn't just the female pe- people in the material I was consuming if that makes yeah. sense yeah okay so, so it's kind of acknowledging that you you'd be yeah you'd be watching something pornographic or you'd be reading like erotic like erotic literature is like my preferred go-to yeah um or rest in peace tumblr <laughs> rest in <laughs> yes. peace so at the time of recording tumblr... by the way we are just uh fact in the midst of tumblr in the midst of tumblr relinquishing porn yeah, and I think that that's a really relinquishing. Please have it before. What? So yeah, Tumblr was the go-to you... for niche porn. If you were like, yeah. if you wanted female positive, or um, anyone po- like, yeah, anything gender sexuality positive porn, mm-hmm. you went to Tumblr. A lot of gifts, I have to say. Well, one of the things that which I, I'm not, and this is kind of an <laughs> like one of the things I found that was that really kind of works for me was like they would do captions on images mm. so you'd have like a photo of somebody i don't know standing with a whip or something or like stood just even just sat down like just a woman yeah. sat down or a man sat down mm. and then they 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 would put a caption on it that told like a little story that like put that ah, picture okay. in a context mm-hmm. or in the or in the context of a particular kink or something like that i found those as my uh, bookmarks tabs can prove very uh, <laughs> very the provision of um different kinks and like the the broad depth of it and and yeah as you said like the positivity around it like mm. there's no shame about yeah. what was on there because it was if you like it you're welcome here and if you don't like it you can just leave like yeah. it it, yeah. it, it, it because of the the sheer scale of the website and the mm. kind of I never knew this the number of people who used it and like it was it was it was a really like you say a really positive place to experiment with what you like as a person so do you think was tumblr a really big tool for you yeah, in order massive. of just exploring massive because it was like oh i can now explore all this other stuff in one and it's all in one place and mm. like you like mm. and because everyone reblogs everyone's everyone's stuff you can go into the comments of one thing and it'd be like if someone so-and-so has reblogged this image mm-hmm. and it's like mm. oh i wonder what their their tumblr is like and it's like mm. oh it's it, it's the same thing but on like a different twist or like yeah you know they a similar thing and you you like you you'd yeah. be able to explore this kind of fractal web yeah of, of sexual positivity mm-hmm. and that 
But this was in a time valuable. where we maybe didn't have so much sexual positivity. So mm. just, just sorry, I'm just wondering, like, having this really open network that was Tumblr, where yeah. you can kind of explore stuff and people very open about sharing content. Yeah, yeah. How did you translate that in the real world in terms of, or were you, was this something that took, was that something that took a really long time for you to kind of be open about or? It did take a, it, it's, because I was in a heterosexual relationship for 10 years, from 18 till, you know, uh, very recently, it it was very kind of, and it wasn't an open relationship and it wasn't like, like my time on my own was my sort of chance to experiment since the, having that relationship having ended in a very positive way. It wasn't like a, like a bad end to a uh, relationship. It's, it then freed me up to properly experiment. Yeah. And yeah. properly indulge in, you know, non- heterosexual things yeah can we ask you about those <laughs> in vague detail <laughs> uh in vague detail i on the tuesday on the the saturday after the tuesday that the relationship came to a close i was round a man's house and we had a good time i mean <laughs> it's, it's, i giggle i want to oh yeah i want, I want to yeah how to protect um and that was a very impulsive thing. Like I literally yeah. messaged them on uh, on a website because they'd posted a picture of themselves, and I was like, "Oh, I, you know, that looks fun." And then they were like, "Oh, would you like to come over?" <laughs> and that's when your brain's like, "Hmm, am I going to be murdered today?" <laughs> well, <laughs> let's find I lived, out. I lived a good life. Well, the, yeah, not bad. Um, but it was also like. But this could be a really great thing. Yeah. Mm. And so I left, you know, I left where I was going with somebody I trusted and went round and had a really good time. And it's, it was, yeah. I wouldn't recommend being so reckless with your, with yourself, but <laughs> I would recommend, you know, the occasional risk. So in the 10 years that you were like in this relationship, yeah. was it from the beginning of that 10 years you kind of started getting interested in it? Or have you maybe, it's been six years you've kind of been... So exploring and interested it's and... i mean it's, it's it's probably been yeah i guess like four or five years yeah. that i've been kind of thinking about it hmm. but before that like i wasn't even thinking about it like it, it's yeah. so weird to yeah. say that that like i didn't even think that i might have liked men and, yeah. and then it's like oh actually yeah maybe i should have given that some thought because yeah. some of them Damn, girl. <laughs> oh, damn. Like, did you never have an awakening? Because that's one thing. I, rem- <laughs> I remember specifically, like, who my I? I remember seeing Robbie Williams in the, what was it? Let Me Entertain You video. Yeah, God. where he's all, like. In the kiss makeup and topless. Yeah, yeah. Oh, young Robbie Williams. I know. And, yeah. like, I remember, you like, when you kind of, you're growing up, you remember people who make you feel a bit funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you ever have that with men as well? Or was Do you like, know what? One of the, and this is a very a very odd story but i have had that and i had that when i was tying up like a, a spider-man action figure with plasticine like as rope like oh, oh the bad guys captured uh, them yeah. and it's just like oh now i think back on it oh. that, that was a thing and like because all like 90s action figures are these like hyper masculine like, yeah. like and it's just like i've got really vivid mm. memories of like that being you know them being tied down as like oh the villains captured the hero like and that's a common thing in, so in superhero things both- and like the gender and the kink. Yeah. Yeah. As a oh, kind of, wow. as a moment in time that now you look back on and think, huh. It's weird <laughs> that you just, you just like probably, not like dismissed that it, but you were like, out, oh yeah, yeah, this happened. But yeah, and like, then you moved on up until now and you're like, oh wait, Yeah, when you're like, huh, I've, I've been kinky since I was single figures <laughs> years old. 
but it's taken but it's taken this long to manifest because I never really thought about it before. Well, I wonder. This is what makes me really interested about. Okay, you, you told me this. We are the millennials, Generation Z. No, Generation Y. Y are the ones yes. younger. As in, why are we not being paid more than minimum? I mean, <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> why won't you pay me? Um, <laughs> um, no, Generation Y, the generation younger than us, whether a lot of those things are more open to discussion because sexuality has become a really big, there's more of a rainbow understanding of what it is. It's not so, yeah. you are gay, you are straight, and you are that, and that's it. There is a like a the, spectrum the kind of Kinsey understanding. scale of... Yeah. And I, I think know. that I think a lot of that just... is is thanks to places like Tumblr, where you can go to these places and you can explore what this means, and you can talk to this, uh, you know, can talk about this with either strangers on the internet or your friends. Yeah. Or also, there's a lot more media coverage. There's kind of they're filling in the gaps much better than they previously mm. had done, and I think that that helps expand the conversation and 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 it's only by expanding that conversation that you can properly under like you can even think to think about Mm. what you're into like Mm -hmm. if you feel if you kind of felt sequestered you know you can't you feel like you can't talk about it that implies shame it's that Mm -hmm. if i can't talk about it i should be ashamed of it which Mm -hmm. you absolutely shouldn't and i think again this has come up on previous podcasts is a very liberal group of friends i think all three of us do Mm. is once you step outside that circle you do realize it can be quite easy for people to not talk about it like yeah and like the world is still relatively heteronormative in yeah. some cases like mm. i so it's um this is being recorded it's january um and so christmas parties have been and gone and there was someone i know who was at a christmas party and all the men just saw it as perfectly normal to circle the younger women and just try and get their attention and chat to them. Oh, I, hmm. That's so creepy. That's what I hate about Christmas parties. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, why is that okay? But then well, I remember bringing the... up your sexuality is a bit... Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's okay for you to yeah. harass this woman and intimidate her. Yeah. Well, what I, th- I don't yeah. understand. Like, I remember... I think I remember speaking to you about it where it was, like, on the news. <laughs> they had, like, a whole little segment on the morning news to be like, oh, Christmas parties, make sure... That you don't go ahead and start harassing people. That was a mm. segment on the news. Yeah. Just a like, reminder, guys. Just a reminder. Yeah, you can't go just, around grabbing Betty's bum. Just a just reminder. Act like a human being. Yeah. yeah. Be decent. Yeah. Like, Have empathy. And he mm. said, like, he, because um, he's um, bisexual. This is the most intersectional podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, accidentally. Um, but he said there was guys who he knew were straight. But he liked them anyway, because he was like, oh, I can kind of look, but don't touch. They're like, oh, they're nice guys. Yeah. And then he saw a completely different side to them. He was like, oh, you're really unattractive to me now, because I've just seen you. You're a predator. Being mm. a predator to yeah, this oh, young yeah. woman. Yeah. We've talked a bit about the aftermath of the um, relationship that, that you've just exited. Yeah. Um, and kind of all these positive things on the horizon. <laughs> but you are on dating apps, aren't you? I am. Ah, I'm on dating yes. apps. I'm Which on ones are you on? three at the moment. Um, so I'm on Tinder, mm-hmm. I'm on Bumble, and I'm on... I've now on OkCupid, but I've only been on there about a week. It seems odd to think of something that was only two months ago as being, like, the hastiness of youth. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, like, the week off of the breakup, I actually was off work. And so I was, like, I went around a friend's house and I was like... Help me set up this Tinder thing. I've heard the I've yeah. heard all the people use Tinder now. Because obviously, when I was eighteen, 
this was this. not a thing. Yeah. The yeah. phones around when I was 18 were not capable of sustaining this sort of thing. This had, <laughs> yeah. not, been in, this had not been invented. One thing it's worth saying is, um, I'm just preempting listener opinions. I might be wrong. We might have very open-minded, liberal, wholesome listeners. However, so I've had this a mixture of things. When you break up with someone, there's a mixture of feelings yeah. about the idea of going straight on dating apps. Some people are like, it's too soon. Leave it. Leave it a year. Go oh, and yeah. go hiking in the lodge somewhere. <laughs> By yourself. And yeah. go, go learn you how learn to yourself. go and handle peregrine falcons. Don't yeah. do anything. However, I think it's actually very healthy to have low stakes, low compromise. Uh, how shall we put it? Um, Flings? Flings. Yeah. I think that's actually no, very healthy. Romantic encounter. Particularly after a long term. I think, I think that probably is a healthy thing because... To go from one ten-year thing to another long thing is, is, is less healthy. I think is, mm, is very yeah. kind of you need other people as a crowd. Like I'm, I don't really want. I don't really know how to talk about this in a way that doesn't sound like mean to people that do it. Like if no. if it's good for you, it's good for you. But if it isn't, don't do it. Yeah, um, yeah. But 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 I'd had a fair amount of warning mm. on the end of the relationship. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like a sudden. It w- I mean, to everyone else it was, but uh, because we'd talked about her uh, her sexuality, which was the, the cause of the end of the relationship, like it wasn't a breakup as such as she was, she's gay. Like she'd, mm-hmm. she'd come to the realisation that she is a lesbian and that's kind of, obviously that is the end of the relationship we had as it mm-hmm. stood, but we are still obviously living in the same building and because we co-own the house. I think you're fair in obviously saying like coming out of a 10-year ten re- ten relationship and then going straight into another one is unhealthy. But Kira's point was also about the time in which you then go into these romantic flings because you were like, mm. do you then take out a year, find yourself, build a <laughs> lodge? <laughs> you know? I'm in a, yeah, I mean, I personally am in a, I'm in a place where I don't really know what I want. Mm. So anything goes, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, I can see the logic of like, Oh, I'm gonna go to the mountains and yeah, hunt with falcons and yeah. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn how to whittle. <laughs> Do what you like, I guess. But um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah. I just well, like I said, the, the Saturday after the Tuesday, I was uh, round a stranger's house. <laughs> so, and that is called um, moving on. <laughs> I have your Tinder profile because you kindly let me. I did. I did let you, yes. Open it. And you don't mind me reading it, right? Uh, Yeah, that's fine, yeah. To the world. I mean, I guess that's the point of it. (laughs) Okay, we're going to, like, obviously read it out just to be like, oh, this is a good Tinder profile. Or if it needs improvement. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not in a bad way, hopefully in a constructive way. In a constructive way. Rob, 28. Data analyst at Major Corporation. I love that. It doesn't have a name. Yeah, Major. that is like beginnings yeah. of comic novel. He was a <laughs> he was a janitor. He was a data analyst at a major corporation. Pretty much. <laughs> okay, and your profile is radio DJ, the hospital kind, occasional fencer, the sword kind, improv comedian, the funny kind, novella writer, the nano kind. Oh. Uh, the cat is called Bew. He's great. Some reviews. Such a lovely boy. My nan, 2018. <laughs> Almost as funny as you look. My brother, 2013. <laughs> and you've got, I think, three pictures, haven't you? I have, yeah. It, there um, aren't many good pictures of me, which is... Oh! Uh... Shut This person's Robert. Nice. It's black and white. He's gazing not at the camera. He's looking off because he's like, I'm it's so... It's in the middle. <laughs> it's actually in the middle of an improv scene. Oh, is it? Yeah. 
Oh, right. And I've, had, I've had to cut a much more attractive person out of that photo. <laughs> I should say it's a nice cut to the side laugh. Yeah. It's not like a, oh, yeah, I didn't looks, see you there. Yeah. It looks real. <laughs> looks genuine. And yes. then the second one, you look in Japan. You look, you've yeah. got short hair as well. So that was 2016, yeah. 20, That's the last. 2016? Yeah. Wow. And I've not cut my hair since. You've so. not cut your hair since? No. Wow. Awesome. It's uh, to give the uh, listeners an idea. It's kind of like the Paul McCartney <laughs> style <laughs> bob. Bob, yeah. 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 And he's standing on some stairs under a load of red pillars. Uh, and it was Japan, was I right? I think yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that's a, um, a shrine in Kyoto. Mm. And the last one, he's gazing lovely into his little cat, Pew, who's not looking impressed, to be honest. No, the, cat, <laughs> the cat's less into it, but I love him. He's a black cat. I always um, love black cats. Yeah. I always think of Salem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sabrina. Sabrina. <laughs> he was such a sass. Yeah. You should, like, Photoshop, like, a talking mouth onto the cat, so it weirdly has, like, human teeth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, sass- he's sassy enough as it is. I mean. Yeah. He doesn't need any help. That's cool. I think it's a good profile, I actually. think it's a good profile. You've got some humour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're honest about who you are as well. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. um, a lot of people keep their hobbies quiet. Mm-hmm. Would that be fair to say? Is some people get mm. weirdly self-conscious about what they do in their spare time? They either make yeah. it so... like that You can tell someone's like really like, oh, I want to stand out. Yeah. So they'll, they'll put something completely random... And like yeah. irrelevant reader, and you don't really get a slice of their personality. Mm. It's just like, oh, you just want to be interesting, so I mm. swipe. Yeah. Whereas this is actually interesting. I'd like to think, yeah, yeah, I'd like to think I'm interesting enough to carry, you know, myself. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> you can have it back now. So, Thank how have you. you found? You're realistically in the beginnings of your online dating. Yeah, really, it's only been. You're not weathered. You're not like <laughs> you've had Jill from accounts. You've not been catfished. Yeah. Like, you're no, less than I mean, six months yeah, I've been, right? I've been rather fortunate. Like, like you get, a f- I've, I've had some ghostings where you kind of, you're talking yeah. to someone and then you like, they just stop responding, yeah. which is yeah, a bit it's rude. It, it's, it's rude, but. It is rude. It's that thing of, though, I can imagine it's quite hard to s- tell someone you've gone cold on them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, so people I think just so, decide not but, to, which is like, I think a cop out, to be honest. But at yeah. the same time, yeah, just say, yeah. or like just unmatch. Like the yeah, the kind of leaving yeah. the conversation there is like, well, are we done? Yeah. Like it's yeah. like it's like when you're talking to someone you don't really know, and then like the conversation dies, and then you both stood there like, who's still fault looking at each other? This? Are, are we done now? Can I go Can and talk I go? to someone else? I think or? it's rude as well if you've never met, if you've never actually taken the time to meet mm. this person, or like if they have really said something to offend you, or there's an aspect of their personality that has come through you're not sure about. Yeah. It's that's different hard. though that's yeah. not just like the conversation there was a like a moment the conversation mm. just kind of stopped yeah well, that's weird I used that's to play, when I was on Tinder I remember like you either had you matched with people and they never spoke yeah never said anything yeah or you matched with some people and you maybe had a bit of chatting and then it just kind of ended mm. and you were just like alright but I think like my main like bit of advice with Tinder is like don't take it too seriously. Yeah. Like, mm. You if you went in there, every interaction really meant something to you, and you do get a lot of people that don't respond to you, or the conversation dies. You'd be a broken person by the end of like a few matches because yeah yeah yeah. If you just kind of are like okay, you don't want to talk to me, cool. Like then you just kind of move on. But I in think a way, that's, isn't yeah. it weirdly counterintuitive to not take it seriously in a way? Because if you are out there with your hopes to meet someone, 
Which some people must. They must go on Tinder mm. for serious reasons. But which goes, why are you using Tinder? <laughs> if it's a bit real here for a second. Yeah. I couldn't use it for serious reasons. That's the thing. I think you're probably more likely to be successful if you just kind of see what happens. Yeah. I didn't go in there with an expectation. Yeah. And I think, like, that probably served me really well. Because, like, mm. people... Like, I mean, I remember getting into a debate with, like, my housemate who was like, oh, because you're a girl, you get more matches. That's why you're like this. I'm like, no, because I'm not taking it seriously. I'm just kind of on there. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I don't die, which is great. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I think, I think... How are you? How are you with it? Ah, uh, awful. No. I, I think I would agree not... with your friend that, that women probably do get more attention. But I think that's probably because... The, there's a disparity of user count in in terms of between like there's men more. and women. I think there are probably more men. Like I haven't actually got men on my Tinder uh, or my Bumble, but I have on the OkCupid. Okay, but uh, I definitely think that um, women are spoilt for choice on Tinder and Bumble more than men are. I think. I think it's hard to say if you don't have both accounts. I guess I think, that's like we're true. both making comments i guess or the yeah. people who have made comments have not had a female account to be like oh yeah you have more options yeah i guess but I, I, yeah it, it it certainly it's certainly been quite kind of quiet i guess i think also depends on your area because bear in mind i was in between norwich and london oh there's lots of people yeah mm. so i was like I had my location settings kind of switching between mm. the two. Yeah. So I did see a lot of different people because I met there were people I matched with who were in London and people I matched with who were up in Norwich. Yeah, that, and that's that's quite interesting as well because I've set the radius on mine quite low. I think it's about twenty five miles or mm. something like that, and like you get a whole extra tranche of people when you just go across to the other side of town. Yeah. <laughs> because there's like, oh, there's all these other villages that are like 25 miles away from <laughs> there, but 26 miles away from where I live. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so true. It, it's a very, it, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's so weird though. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you, you when you started dating, that was just not a thing. Like online dating on your phone was yeah, just not it, really it's, a thing. It, it, it's turned, it's turned judging people into a game the first two days i ran out of swipes but by the third day i'd run out of people right yeah, yeah. um and at that point you then like look at yourself and like oh my god what have i become <laughs> i've just passed judgment on thousands <laughs> hundreds maybe thousands of people just like on a whim just like i don't think that's very different to what we do every day like you come across mm, people every day, and you judge whether you're attracted but you, or you like them, or you're you not like them or not. And it's just because it's physical, physical in the swiping thing that maybe it feels so. I think fast. that's probably true. I think it, it but it, it that you, yeah. I had a realization where I was just like, I was making a judgment on whether I thought a person was worthy of my attention and time based on like a handful of photos mm. and maybe a bio. Yeah. And so I've then set rules in place where it's like, if there's no bio, just flat no, because I don't know anything about them. You mentioned um, you're on OkCupid as well, which is the one yeah. that collects a lot of data, doesn't it? So yeah, is it a okay, bit like eHarmony? OkCupid asks you more questions and goes to the trouble of giving you like a, oh, this person is like 
like you in this way or this uh, different from you in these ways and like or like we think you'd get on because you're both within within 20 miles of each other or whatever (laughs) close because they have a pulse (laughs) but the other thing with with okay cupid is you get the list of people you've liked which you don't get in bumble and tinder you only get information when the when you both like each other but on Okay, Cupid, you get to keep the list of people you've liked okay. so that you can go back later and like you can then send them a message and mm. be like and that that has 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 been more more like the app was actively involved in helping you. Like there's a there's a certain callousness to Tinder and Bumble where it's just mm. like swipe, 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 yeah. chat, chat, chat. And it's But it it's interesting you mentioned that because I did read a book about um kind of dating and how um kind of love and relationships have changed uh, within the last, I think it was like now 70 years, but mm-hmm. um, the designers of Tinder wanted to make it feel like a game. That is yeah. why they put in the whole swipe feature when they built it. Um, it was meant to feel like, not like yeah. a game, but kind of like a deck of cards. It's like you're playing Snap. It is like a game, yeah. When you said people don't actually message you. Now, I should just add, so I'm the only one that don't doesn't have an experience of a dating app. I've, I'm stubborn, so I was like, I'm never using a dating app. I'm just going to meet someone in person. Because mm-hmm. I kind of, I hated that. I hate that kind of thing of, uh, like, it's yeah, it's like scoring a point, like a reward. Just seemed a bit Black yeah. Mirror. Yeah, very much Very so. Black Mirror. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, no, absolutely not. But that said, you've found it successful, but you're using it in a very... I was using. It, I don't think I was using it really right. <laughs> I used it wrong and won. Uh, yeah, somehow I don't know what happened. I rigged the system. But no, yeah, I don't I, really know if I'm using it correctly or not. Well, no, I just went I on was it not because using it correctly though. But I think maybe like, for its intended purpose, I didn't use it because I like just went on it because a lot of my friends had graduated and I was like, oh, I want to just meet people as friends, really, who are yeah. not in my university because they're all kind of the same mm. and. Yeah, who were just like similar age to me, and that was literally. <laughs> yeah, but that like, even that is is enough criteria to to start on. Like, yeah, that's enough where you know what you want out of it. Yeah, I think if you're like me and you don't really know what you want out of it, you just kind of end up like, what am I doing? Why am I? Why, why am I here? Yeah, I'll, I'll stay here, but why am I here? No, I was yeah. gonna say you did mention in your bio, obviously about NaNoWriMo, uh, which. Wait, yeah. National Novel Writing Month. There it is. Nano Bingo. Rano. One of your many interests is that. Yeah. There was there's also D and D. Yeah. There's also uh, Warhammer. Warhammer. Now I yeah. wanted, I wanted to end the podcast <laughs> on something very important to me. Yeah. Some learning. Which is some learning. Education, <laughs> what darlings. The fuck is Warhammer? Because <laughs> I feel like there's two specific camps, and those two specific camps will be listening, which is fuck yes, and I don't know what the hell it is. I remember walking past a Warhammer shop, and everyone in there was painting, and I was like, "Is that all Warhammer is?" It's like pottery, but it's pre-made. There is a third category of people, Mm. and these are people in relationships with people who do Warhammer. Oh, okay. (laughs) The people who tangentially are aware of what it is, but do not care. Yeah, (laughs) just are resentful of the space it takes. The widows widows and widowers of (laughs) Wargaming. So Warhammer is one of many tabletop war games. So... 
how it works is you've got the the miniatures that you you build and paint and like they're made of either they're either made of plastic or resin or metal or something and you assemble them you paint them and then you have like a big table with like terrain on it like buildings mm. and trees and stuff and then you have a like a little fight on that basically um on a on a dice based game system oh so it's my. a bit it's a bit like chess with dice i guess right but but all the different pieces have got their own like rule set and it'd be like your infantry might be they might be cheaper to put on the field so every every uh, unit has a point score mm-hmm. so it'd be like to put this this chap with a gun down might be 10 points but to put this like jedi with a special sword and like he's got lightning powers or something he might be like a hundred points or something like that and so you then you build an army of x number of points so you and your opponent be like oh we'll play 1500 points and then you've both got an army of approximately the same quality because you've paid the same number of points for it and yeah then the dice will just fuck you mentally i blue screened oh okay (laughs) but why do you have to paint them? I understand. I mean, that you, it's don't, you, don't, you don't have to, but it, it, the, it it's it's yeah. a two part hobby in as much as there's kind of the the creative side of it and the gaming side of it. Mm-hmm. So it is a game with a rule book, and you know you can play the game with coins if you wanted, like to represent the figures. Oh, but yeah. the artistic and the creative side of it is that you assemble yeah. these models together, and like there's there's a whole like there's. 40 years of lore about this game at this stage wow. because the company's been going since like the late 70s. So is it like um, hobby craft D&D? Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. That's it's, a very good analogy. It's, yeah, you've got, the, you've got that creative side where you can put the army together essentially however you like. And the terrain, right, um, as well. And yeah, you can, yeah. yeah, you can put the terrain together and you can, yeah. And like there are whole websites dedicated to people who have like done exciting like or well-painted mm-hmm. conversions of things. If you if you're creative, there's like that creative side of it, like the making and painting mm-hmm. side of it. If you're gaming side of it, you can always just pay someone to paint and make yeah. them for you, and Very then you true. can just play. Yeah. Yeah. play How lucrative like, that is! That's yeah. A, yeah, that's a lucrative industry in and of itself. Oh my, um, my question is: you mm. mentioned the dice screws you over. How? Do, what does the dice do? So the dice are used. So uh, Warhammer uh, uses six-sided dice, like mm-hmm. just you, you, re- dice, yeah. regular common garden six-sided dice. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are then linked to various attributes. So if you want to shoot at an opponent, like a, let's say there's like a commander who's like, right, I'm going to shoot at him. You then roll a dice to see if you hit him. And then, then you roll a dice to see if that hit kind of wounds him. And then right. he gets he gets a roll to kind of save it as if like his, it's hit a, a bit of his arm or his shield. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how the game plays. Ah. Is it, like, you then take turns. Like one person do, does all of their army, then the other person does all of their army. And you kind of you take turns until... One of you is no longer standing, basically. <laughs> I'm glad you explained that because I've always wondered how yeah. it exactly works. Isn't it? I would see yeah, it. it's full of <laughs> lots of teenagers <laughs> well, who have. Well, quite... I'm not sure about teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. I see a wide range, isn't it? I think it would have been more teenagers 10 years ago, but those They've teenagers. Now <laughs> and now, yeah, those it's teenagers. It's like people at a Duran Duran concert. It's the same generation. Yeah. <laughs> but it's. But, you know, and there's also the community aspect of it because it's a group of people who have a shared passion, mm-hmm. a shared interest. Mm-hmm. It has a community to it as well. Um, we're, I, I would say we're probably in like a golden age for tabletop gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's become so much easier for just a guy with a CAD file on his computer mm-hmm. and a 3D printer to just make a game yeah. and then get loads of people to be 
interested in and fund that game on a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And but Games Workshop sort of have been around for forty yeah. years, and they mm-hmm. yeah they've got the they're the kind of the top dog, I guess. Do you want to close it off, wrap so, it up? Uh, we ask everyone <clears throat> this. Oh, okay. Um, what makes you feel unexceptional? What makes me feel unexceptional? Uh, anxiety. Oh, right. (laughs) Well, not anxiety, but definitely copious amounts of introspection. Everyone, especially in in an age of social media, Mm. everyone has the ability to present a best of themselves to the world. Showreel. However, any one person is living behind the scenes of their own life. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I think that is why it, it, it social media is, is a very dangerous thing for people because you're looking at the best of someone else's life and then you can't help but compare that to yeah, yeah of course you're, you're miserable today or you're <laughs> fat today or you're ugly today. It's difficult to feel exceptional when you're living the unexceptional parts of your own life Mm-hmm. in the glow of everyone else's exception, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly, I get that. That's literally kind of yeah. why we started making this, this podcast. This is why we started the podcast. <laughs> you are the only, one of very few people, Holly kind of said a similar thing in a yeah. kind of concise, I'm just part of the machine way. But everyone else, when we've asked them, has gone, fuck you, I'm great. <laughs> Even yeah. if they're the most humble person on the planet, yeah. they they have either an adverse reaction to that question or they go, yeah. 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 Most people don't respond to it with, the same amount of careful consideration that you're currently showing it. Most people go, well, have that fuck off reaction. Maybe I'm just exceptionally comfortable. Wait! Wait! Turn around, turn around, turn unexceptional. around. Unexceptional. <laughs> no, that's fair. I think that's a fair answer. But I totally understand what you mean, the but social media thing. I think, yeah. it, uh, but even before, before social media, there's still kind of, you hear about the successes of others. Yeah. yeah. And you, you like, Whatever you want to do with life, you'll you'll look at mm-hmm. the best people who are involved in that. So, for example, with writing, you'll be reading the books of published authors yeah. and thinking, "Oh, these people are geniuses." Yeah. yeah. But How do I... at some point, they were they were reading books too, yeah. thinking, "Oh my god, this person's a genius." Yeah, yeah. you are right actually, because I think yeah. in general, people like to present and put their best foot forward and oh, present yeah. the best kind of side of their lives, but they'll never talk about about that. The, the unexceptional bits that you mentioned as well. Mm. That is completely there. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much thank for coming along. Thank you both very yeah. much for having me. Yeah, thanks to everyone for listening to episode number six of The Unexceptionals. Yes. Halfway through the series now. Yeah. About. Um, yeah. About. Depending half, on how many we do Depending on how many we interview. Um, <laughs> if you're really enjoying this podcast, um, and you want to hear more of us, or you want to hear from us in between episodes, contribute, you can find us. Yeah. Sure as hell can. Yeah, you definitely can find us. You can find us on the medias. On the social medias (laughs) uh, that make you feel unexceptional. Uh, We promise not to make you feel like shit. Uh, You can find our modest medias on at underscore unexceptionals yep that's on instagram and on twitter Twitter. on facebook just search for the unexceptionals and it should come up as a page for Mm -hmm. our podcast and you can drop us an email if you have any comments any suggestions if you want to tell us what you liked about the episode or if you wanted to just yeah like comment more on anything that we've talked about if you know someone who you think could feature yeah yeah drop us an email on the unexceptionals podcast at gmail.com 
Thank you, everyone. Yeah, Tune thank in you next as time. well, Rob. Love you, bye. <laughs> Love bye. you, bye. <laughs>